0: Are we blind to a paradigm that is having a massive transformative change on our lives? Today's guest, Jeff Booth, author of The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation is the Key to an Abundant Future, contends that we ignore the technological power of deflation at our own peril. Jeff, welcome to Canna Insider.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Where in the world are you today?
1: I'm in uh, just a lake house just outside of Vancouver, uh, B.C.
0: Oh great! And I am in Chicago. Jeff, you have a background as a technology entrepreneur, advisor to startups, and now author. What compelled you to write the the Price of Tomorrow?
1: Uh, probably seeing what would uh, what would happen say, to my kids, the world in which they would grow up uh, in if something wasn't changed. Um, and so, seeing sitting at the front seat of technology for so long, um, you can see how fast technology is changing the world we, we live in. And today technology, and so technology wants to make costs lower, right? So you get more abundance with technology at less, less cost. Um, and you can see it from your Google searches to the phone you use, you can see it everywhere. Um, and, and that abundance is up against pressure of a system. Uh, that's trying to create inflation, and so 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 you have these two forces counteracting each other, um, and the result is a polarization of our societies.
0: Okay, and I think you published this book at probably the perfect time. I mean, it's unfortunate because you're what you're saying in your book is going to happen. I think you published this in 2019. Is that right?
1: Uh, Jan- January 14th, 2020, just before okay. everything. Everything I predicted happened. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, like, <laughs> yeah. so I think it gives you a ton of credibility. And I just want to go into this. I mentioned in the intro that are we paradigm blind because you mentioned inflation just now people probably heard the term deflation and even the many business owners and investors that are very sophisticated that listen to this podcast only understand the symptoms of it but really don't totally have internalized what those two terms mean to them can you just kind of describe what they mean to you so we can understand that better
1: Sure, um, and and again, th- these are hard. They're not really hard concepts if you actually build, d- dig into the first principles, but we don't do that very often. Um, we trust what we've learned before, and we build on top of that knowledge. So, so the concept is pretty simple. So, what I'm going to say is pretty simple. We just don't explore it at that depth. Um, inflation is quite simply when your money gets less valuable and goods and services cost more in relation to that money and deflation is the opposite. Your money is more valuable and goods and services fall in, uh, fall in price. Um, and we grew up, I grew up um, being taught that you, you want to stop deflation at all costs, right? You live in an inflationary monetary policy and everything else and you want to stop deflation at all costs. And so, so you look at deflation as almost a bad word. But I would I, I would argue if somebody said, instead of inflation, we're going to try to drive, we're trying to drive inflation. If they said to you, what we're trying to do is destroy the real value of your currency no matter what. Right. That's what we're trying to do. You probably wouldn't be as confused about that inflation and depression. Right? Right. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and so and, and that's what it is. Right, and that's what it is. So, so on, on, on on each side of that equation, you have different winners and losers. If you have uh, if you have access to debt and leverage and everything else, and and you have an inflationary environment and you have assets, then you pay back that debt with cheaper money tomorrow. So you you win. Um, on the other, and, and if you have deflationary environment and you have a whole bunch of debt, you lose, right? So um, so there's different winners and losers based on that, but it's not good or bad, right? It's just these are concepts that we don't look into very often.
0: Okay. So as a society right now, we have deflation in some goods and inflation in other other goods. Can you kind of describe uh, the dance there, on what goods are are get are more inflationary? What goods and services, and what are deflationary? So we have some more examples. You touched a little bit about that on with apps and your phone and so forth, but could you give a little more uh, color there?
1: Yeah. So so we used to think about this in televisions, right? Your TV gets more power, bigger, uh, more powerful every year, and it costs less. So what you get in anything technology driven is massive increases in output versus the cost. Your phone is a really good example. My first phone cost two thousand dollars. My first phone bill was twelve hundred dollars and all it made is all it did is make phone calls. Right. Yeah. Now my phone is my camera, my music player, it's my virtual assistant, it's it's my information provider. All of these things, it's my guitar tuner, all of these things are free, right? Or effectively free with a fifty dollar a month plan. I can get the the newest technology in a phone and have, have abundance for no cost. Um, so that's what's happening when you enable things to kind of drive on a technology layer. And that technology is moving into every part of society. It's not just on your phone anymore. It's the core And I would say, information highway. The businesses are built on top of, right? From Zoom, from from the video conferencing that doesn't, so we don't have to go into the office anymore. To all of these things are advancing so fast, and so we get more for we get more for less. But that doesn't, that's not what the average person in the street is experiencing. What they're experiencing is being on a treadmill, trying to go faster and faster on that treadmill and having prices outrun how fast they're moving. And that's a that's because central banks are trying to stop deflation at all costs. So when you're printing money and you're inflating an environment, that money is searching for where can I put that money to, to drive yield or return? And that money is racing into um, – Uh, it's racing into healthcare costs, it's racing into housing prices, it's racing into all of these things that are pushing up in price against what should be happening all over the world, everything declining in price.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy how that works. I mean, I mentioned in the intro the paradigm blindness because I listened to your book, the audiobook version of your book, which I highly recommend. It's on Amazon, The Price of Tomorrow. But You really connect a lot of dots there because we kind of have these, like, I I feel like we're walking down the streets and it's literally here in Chicago and there's like boarded up targets, looted stores. I see broken glass on the streets and it's just like most of us tend to want to point to one thing and and you're saying those those things are kind of flashpoints that could be predicted, but that's not... Or the straw that breaks the camel back, back. but there's a lot of fuel underneath there. And that fuel is this paradigm of technology creating deflation while we live in a, a banking and financial system that is inflationary that we inherited uh, from, you know, essentially post-World War II. So where where do you think we'll be going here based on, you know, we have these two massive ty- you know, tectonic forces, inflation and deflation, battling each other. What do the next months and years look like when you look around the corner?
1: So, so you know, because you read the book, I'm yes. um, in a bunch of these, from, from division, from how politicians divide us, uh, when, when, the, uh, when people have loss of hope for a better future, when they can feel something's not right, that anxiety, but they can't put their finger on it it's easy to divide people and 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 so so against these these forces playing out if if governments continue to do this you can expect polarization to get worse um and and if you just think about so you, you said I think you uh, think you said it perfectly if if you think in systems a lot of the rich the wealth inequality which ties into racism which ties into everything else is all from something people aren't looking at right if you're printing money right then then well let's use an example it probably makes it easier so if the governments right now and the governments all around the world are going to go to negative interest rates because they're trying to grow out of something they can't grow out of technology is too big a force but they're going to try to grow out of that anyway so they're going to institute things like negative interest rates. So you're going to lose money on your money. And they've, uh, they've, they've already started with interest rates so low. If you now think about, okay, now you're a CEO of a big industry, and and instead of putting cash, if if you have cash on your balance sheet, the bank, the, the government has said. Oh, we're going to penalize that cash we're going to make sure that you're going to lose if you have cash on your balance sheet because we have a stated purpose of making that cash worth less money Right? Yeah. so as a CEO in that environment you're going to take on debt you're going to buy back shares you're going to do everything that you're told to do by the system that was created because if you don't and another company does you'll get destroyed and you won't be a CEO very much longer and then when the system fails because you have no cash, because the government has said, hey, cash is worthless, then you go to for a bailout and you say, if these people don't, if I don't get a bailout, I lose all these jobs. So you create you create vulnerability in the system all over the, the world, and it just per- perpetuates everywhere. And so the same thing is happening right now with, with all of these bailouts. And the bailouts actually make the problem worse because essentially you – you bail out industry, and you bail out, I'll use an example of commercial real estate. Um, 10 million users on Zoom, going to 300 million on Zoom in a month and a half, um, and every other video platform is the same, is the same. means every one of those users, if you don't think that uh, 300 million is going back to 10, 10 million after COVID, and every one of those users is less commercial real estate. That means commercial real estate has to fall precipitously um, in price. But if it falls precipitously in price, all of the debt goes offside, right? And the people who own the commercial real estate lose lose money, and new people buy it for pennies on the dollar. So the government is propping up by taking off bad loans off the balance sheet and, and putting uh, and giving fresh money instead is propping up those industries. And then on the very other side of this, they have to say there's a whole bunch of people that can't pay for those high prices that they artificially inflated in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And and then they have to, then they then then oh we need UBI then there's a whole bunch of people we need UBI we need all of these other things to pay for the people that we're creating the problem for in the first place, right? right? And so you get politicians on both sides of the aisle screaming at each other and, and division of of communities on both sides are screaming at each other without understanding the thing that's driving it all.
0: It's crazy, it is crazy. Now most of us don't have, really everybody that's alive right now has no memory of a deflationary economy and what that might look like. All we know is that we're told over and over again by central bankers and politicians is that we want to fight deflation, it's a bad thing they say, well, you'll hoard money then and you won't go out and buy goods and services because you say they'll be cheaper tomorrow. Can you talk about an era where we had deflation and what that looked like?
1: Well, there, before central banks and Fed and everything else, they kind of artificially paping, papering that over. The economies went through that. You cleared economies, you went through it, and then you grew again. And the cash that you saved... When an economy collapsed, you bought other things for cheap and, and you rebuilt an economy, right? So just just different winners, just different losers. That's all that happened. So um, today we have perverse incentives. We have perverse incentives. And so so anytime you're doing what I was explaining before, you're you're essentially um, you have a one-way bet um, for uh, for a, a, a business, a person can make a bet, and if they're wrong, they socialize the losses. Right, and so tons of people are getting lo- left out, and they're rightfully mad. And what's happening uh, as they get rightfully mad? They don't know why. They don't. They can't feel it because I don't think people have looked deep enough into what I'm talking about. So, but so they'll believe rhetoric from some politician that says it's not your fault; it's their fault. Right? And that's and, and then once that once once people believe in that paradigm they're so, be, and become so mad at a different a different group, then it's really hard to unring that bell. So, um, and, and 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 so that's what's that's what's happening, and that's whether and how do politicians get how do you get elected as a politician? A lot of times, if you if you divide, which is really powerful, um, it's short term powerful. If you divide. Um, you you have to create an enemy of, of another disenfranchised group. And then and then how you stay elected is you create a bigger enemy. And a lot of the times that bigger enemy is, is outside of your country.
0: Also, we have this UBI type system that's kind of emerging here in the States. We have um, talk of, actually, I think it's already happening. They're sending out debit cards uh, to people. Well, they'll put funds on the, a debit card and I bet it won't be called UBI. It'll probably just as kind of quantitative easing is kind of a name that's kind of designed to have complexity to it where people just don't want to even dig into what that means. I feel like the UBI will have like, you know, some stimulus name or some fairness name. But I'm concerned that, that once that starts happening, will any politician be able to dial it back? And won't everybody that's unemployed and needs that desperately just say, I'm just going to vote for whoever's not going to stop this or whoever's going to increase it. I mean, is that a concern?
1: So that's exactly what's going to happen. That's a, and and who's going to give it me the most, but where does the money come from? Right. It has to come from somewhere. And if you keep making up money and you are pretending to make up money, then why do you pay taxes anyways? If we're just going to keep making up money forever, right? Or why do we, why, why, why a thousand dollars? Why not $10,000 a month? Like if if you've changed the the currency value and everything else, and you're just warping all of the rules of, of capitalism, then then why does any money matter? Nice. And, um, and and so you asked a question before, and I probably didn't give it. If you just if you simplify all the jargon, and you said, why are prices going down a bad thing, right? If you just looked at your own life, if prices got got Uh, cheaper and cheaper and you got more abundance as as nature took its course why is that such a bad thing right and and i don't think it is i don't think anybody personally would argue with but they're fooled into it's a bad thing it's not a bad thing and by the way before people said people would stop buying with deflation i don't think that that's true today we line up for the newest iphone and spend more for the newest iphone even though we can buy last year's model for almost nothing. Right, right. So so techno- technological deflation is designed to give us massive abundance without the cost. Why are we trying why are we trying so hard to stop it is a, is a better question than than all of the things you tell yourself because you live in a world that has never seen this.
0: You mentioned in your book kind of the the power of exponential technologies, and I would say we're witnessing a bunch of them right now. Um, Amazon was kind of becoming everybody's go-to for e-commerce deliveries, um, but then overnight there was a catalyst, and that seems like all there is, like literally around me uh, – Everything's closed or boarded up except for uh, Whole Foods, which is owned by Amazon, and then, and then Amazon Deliveries. And it's like the, everything eventually is going to one, like this one infrastructure. I mean, can you talk a little bit about exponential technology and some of the ways it's, uh, you know, deceptive in its early stages? sure
1: i I think this is important so so moore's law um is is effectively says compute power levels every every 18 months to two years and and if you i like to do an an analog to moore's law when i when i talk about exponentials to make it kind kind of come home and so if you folded a piece of paper on itself once, twice, three times, and kept folding that piece of paper on onto itself uh, 50 times. Now, you can only fold it seven, um, but you, just imagine if you could continue to fold it 50 times, how thick that is, would that piece of paper be? And, and, and I've asked this question to tens of thousands of people all over the world, um, and most often I get an answer of two inches. Sometimes a little bit higher, but very rarely anywhere in the vicinity of how thick that piece of paper would be, and that thick that that piece of paper would stretch from from the Earth to the Sun on fifty volts, and and it breaks your brain thinking about exponential patterns doubling on it themselves, but Moore's law is an exponential pattern, um, and and before I go into so I'll, actually I'll say this first and. And in, in, in Moore's Law, if you compare those analogs, we're in, in full, on unfold 33 of Moore's Law. And that means all of the technology that people see around them, they're looking backwards over the last 50 years of Moore's Law's pro- progress instead of forwards to, to all of that doubles in 18 to months to years. All of it. So now we're in the steep steps of technology. Uh, 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 changing our uh, our lives. So, so when we see self driving cars and what's coming, and we see mm-hmm. some of the things that are coming, people can't even comprehend what's coming. And even if you say Moore's law won't continue to go along uh, forever and keep doubling forever, which I agree with, what's coming behind that is is uh, quantum computers, which takes that doubling rate potentially higher, right? Which or faster, and so. So we can, we can assume that we live in an exponential type of technology world. And the only thing that's driven that divide of inequality and everything else um, to, that we see around the world today is us trying to stop it. In, in the last 20 years, governments have printed or created $185 trillion of new debt or printing to be able to produce $46 trillion of GDP growth. And that's looking backwards. That's before, before COVID, before anything else. Looking forwards, if you think that the technology is doubling at that rate, then the debt needs to double at the, at the exact corresponding rate just to keep us neutral. And the debt or, or, or debasements of currencies doubling at that rate means wealth inequality doubles at that rate too. Right. and 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 all of the negative consequences, polarization doubles at that 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 rate as well, and and I keep ask, and I kept asking and this is what I explore deeply in the book, why are we doing this? It's just insane. We're um, there's so there's such a better way um, for society to thrive um, without
0: this. So we have central bankers like the Fed. The European Central Bank and the Bank of Japan all fighting this losing battle. We described. they're cr- trying to create inflation uh, by taking on more debt, um, and they they're maybe either they don't know or they don't care about the the natural deflationary process that's occurring exponentially. So where does that leave us? I mean, th- they will they reform willingly? What what do you think the most likely outcome is in terms of uh, what we can anticipate from government officials and central banks. So this
1: is a really good, um, this is a really, and this may be because I've been in business. I didn't remember and you know, from reading the book, I didn't write the book. Do so you say I need to make any money from a book? I never wanted to be an author. I wrote the book almost as a service to society because I'm in it in technology all the time. And I can see how fast this is happening. Um, the, um, but it's it, 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 interesting to tie this into what a business does, right? So, and and then uh, assign probabilities to what central banks do because w- why would they be any different than a business? So, Blockbuster had the same problem. Technology was changing the rules, and when they were when they could have bought Netflix for fifty million dollars, Netflix was a bad business. It was a DVD back and forth through the mail business. And the only thing they missed is how fast technology changed the rules. And once you could do digital downloads and stream real time, Blockbuster's business with 9,000 stores and all the employees became re- irrelevant overnight. And so what did Blockbuster do in that moment? They added candy aisles to their stores. Right? <laughs>
0: I remember <laughs> this. I remember right? this. Yeah.
1: And, and, and because that makes sense, because people want to have popcorn, and eat candy while watching a movie, right? With so so they're so stuck in their way of business that changed overnight that they can't see. Wait, this has created a structural change to my business, and the structural change makes my business irrelevant. So using that same thinking, right? And. And remember kodak created the digital camera that they went bankrupt because they didn't enable most times business does the same thing and these businesses are filled with the smartest people around driving these businesses trying to create the business right but they can't see that next step um, and how that change is so it, paradigm changing and I would say central bankers they're not bad people they're not uh, they're, uh, in the most part they're not all, all these governments they're not typically bad people um they they can't see the change they, it, they're so they're driving us off a cliff they're driving society off, straight off a cliff with their eyes closed because they can't see a di- different way that's uh, that's that's better uh, and so so if you play that forward what it looks like is unfortunately i wrote the book to hopefully find a different path like to to, to build a better path and and there is a, there's i've been Blown away by how many people are talking about the book, bringing that forward, that message forward, and kind of joining, joining that. So maybe there's a hope that we get to that point before we get to the other point. But the existing, the existing path looks like revolution and wars. If we, if if, if central governments keep doing this, because what will happen? And I'd ask your audience to each one of you think about. The other people that are part of your subgroup, and what you think about them, right? And how much it's such a pulling narrative to say um, those people, those people, those the, 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 uh, those people that we don't even question it very often, and we're and most people in the world are looking at the wrong thing. Yeah.
0: Wow. You know, I, I have another concern too. Is that there's an, there's a class of people that have technological skills and understanding and they understand finance and investments and they kind of have an ability to be mobile and just to opt out of geographies or systems that no longer serve them and leave behind and as we're moving to this kind of winner take all society where they can just relocate to Singapore or Malta or some place that welcomes them more and take their business and profits with them what does that look like if the world's moving in that direction do you think that's a possibility
1: yeah so keep that keep on that thread technology is borderless Right, so so two days ago, Twitter France said to Twitter, "We'll take you, right?" <laughs> um, and 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 if they did, and the jobs moved to France, um, are people in the U.S. going to stop using Twitter? Right? It t- technology is bore to us. I, I was on a on a, a Zoom conference to the House of Commons in Canada, and we're using Zoom. And we're in and House of Commons in Canada is using Zoom. And there isn't one job in in, in Zoom uh, in Canada, right? Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't require that. And, and so here, here's what's happening. Every government is asking, how do we create more jobs? How do we, and everyone, and, and they're de- debasing their currencies so they get more jobs, right? So my currency needs to be lower in value so I can take more of the jobs and I can do all these things to drive more jobs. In a systems world, and if you rise up to the next level, where technology doesn't require the same jobs, same amount of jobs, and they can be anywhere, so that's what that those are the facts. That's what it looks like. So that means there's going to be less jobs, and and we can either design a world, and instead of asking how do I get more jobs, we can say how do we design a, an economy that thrives where people don't need as many. Right, where 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 time is of value, right? Because we've been tricked into believing that economics—it's oh, I don't those those people over there understand economics. I don't understand economics, so it's too hard to understand because all of these new things keep coming out and these theories about. But economics is about scarcity, not uh, not value, and it could be perceived scarcity if somebody creates a brand, and you perceive it as scarce then you'll pay more for that brand, but it's about scarcity. Um, and technology creates abundance. And so the air, the air we breathe is arguably the most valuable thing in your life, even more than water. Why is it free? Right? right. Because, it's, because it's abundant. It's super valuable and it's free. So technology creates that everywhere. Right? And, and, and at, if you let that happen, cost would plummet everywhere people wouldn't your time would explode your amount of time that you would have for other things would explode and you wouldn't need to um, and you wouldn't need to be on a rat race to try to chase higher and higher asset prices that are being created to higher and higher spending that are all being created artificial
0: great points so we have primarily three different audiences that listen to this show we have business owners we have investors and we have people that are employees, but you know, who are looking to do other things, maybe work for another business, or start their own business. One of the key things that I really zeroed in on in your book was the power of network effects. And it really had me thinking like, if I did nothing else but just try to find companies that have network effects that are going from having some traction to having that escape velocity Where there's kind of this, all this energy starts to go into these network effects that's from these, from this ecosystem that of participants, like that would be time well spent. But what do you think for businesses, employees, investors, where should they be focusing their energy so that they're, they're the winners in this situation that they're investing their time and money in the right places they can provide for their family and they can know what's going on.
1: So and, and, and that was a loaded question and everything else that kind of ties into a whole bunch of things. But how much is so a, a lot of what you do every day comes down to how do I protect for my family in the future? right? So the work you do and how much money and where do I put my money, a lot of that comes down to, um, I need to save to get to this point so that I can enjoy my life. right? That whole construct. Um, if you investigate that a little deeper, right, you, you'll you go just a second. <laughs> so I'm working all of this 80 hours a week and I'm pushing away the thing that, that, so one day I can relax. Right. So, but if you understand what's going on and I would let you, you, you said I would have your audience investigate network effects. Um, network effects is effectively an easy way to say is um, if I own, if, if I'm, only one with a phone, the, the value is zero. If Matt, Matthew, if you add yourself to my network of a phone, now it explodes in value and every additional connection makes the value of the network stronger. So the internet itself is is a staggering network effect as are the best companies built on top of it. And it's a really predictable pattern on how the best companies became the best to To do that, and I explore that deeply in the book. And so, just investing in network effects companies is a really great way. You can make more money in network effect companies <laughs> than just about anything else. If you look at the S and P five hundred, and if you look at, it's dominated. The only growth has been those companies. Yeah. Um, and and it's going to continue as they consolidate because as you move to AI and you as you move to it's a, it, just consolidates that data faster and it, uh, and it explodes. So there and they're still. Quite a few opportunities to create that type of value um, in in, uh, in companies, but it's different than most people look at. It's very different than, than most people look at, and and so, but and and so I have a number of those companies. Actually, I'll give you an example. One of the companies that I'm co-founder of in Southeast Asia, we projected forty million in in April and forty-two million in uh, in May. In, in revenue, um, and it did, and it did 82 in in April, and 86 in uh, in in May, and it'll do 120 million in, in June. Um, out of the same thing, right? The and that's that's in local currency, so it's not uh, in the U.S. currency, but it's the rate of growth and the network effect that's driving it is so staggering, um, because you're designing the business to exploit that opportunity. Um, and it's really really specific as many other businesses. So I, I get really excited with all the opportunities that are available. It's just if you roll those opportunities up, all of that growth comes at the expense of other growth and other businesses that are failing just as fast. Right? and and it consolidates power. and And so to yes, look for network companies, Bitcoin is a is a something that could be a world reserve currency. And is it and, and and exploits a network effect could have the same type of opportunity, um, and then for me my time is going into kind of companies that I can actually make an in, impact. So I typically look: do I love the founders? Do I love spending time with founders? Do they have something that has potential? really positively impacting society and and, and a whole bunch of people? And then can I make a difference in that business? And that's where I personally spend my time.
0: So Bitcoin's a very interesting example you provided there because I remember when it crossed a hundred dollars and today I think it's somewhere around ninety seven hundred and people said oh it's gonna crash back down it's gonna crash back down but these network effects like you're talking about these incentive structures and the game theory behind Bitcoin really continue just to work and I mean, it's kind of like uh, some people describe it as money over IP. It's kind of this decentralized ledger that's immutable and really anybody can gain access to. I mean, for people, do you have people approach you ever and just say, hey, Jeff, how do I get into the uh, Bitcoin? I mean, it sounds like something you're into. How do I put my toe in the water? What do I need to know?
1: I think, and, and online you'll find, especially on Twitter, you'll find some people that are really deep into uh, this. Preston Pish, uh, John Valls, you'll find some, uh, some really good voices. Uh, Bitcoin Standard is, is a great book on, on this. Um, but um, so, yes, I get asked all the time. And and I just see it as a consequence of it. So, a lot of people went Bitcoin first, and there's a whole bunch of people in the community that kind of um, that. I'll be careful here, um, that would hype this and everything else and want it to happen. So that but there's also a lot of really great people in that community. I came into Bitcoin the exact opposite way. I looked at the structure of what's happening and I said, what is what? What are the probabilities? What, what are the probabilities of this structure continuing on? And 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 what takes its place? And that's how I came into, uh, that's how I came into the, uh, Bitcoin. And then I looked at kind of what the drivers, the incentive structures are. If you look at a place like Venezuela that had 5 million percent inflation rate last year, just because they keep on, um, destroying the currency value. If you own Bitcoin and Bitcoin last lost 30% last year, um, you could feed your family. So you have to just ask the question and then you could move it anywhere. You can move it anywhere around the world so if governments are going to continue to debase the currencies and every every likelihood that's what they're going to do against this unstoppable force then that's going to happen in country after country after country and as those people on ramp onto bitcoin will they ever give get rid of that because why do you trust your currency right you trust it because an implicit guarantee from the government and and if they break that implicit guarantee, it's just a piece of paper with numbers on it. Right. Right. So, so it, it, Bitcoin cannot be manipulated like that. And so what's happening is, is you see the society the societal breakdown. You're on ramping onto Bitcoin a whole bunch of people now. Hedge funds, other people that are on ramping onto Bitcoin. And at some point, because of the network effect, more and more people trusting it it
0: could explode in value. Yeah, it could be that what the uh, 30th fold on the piece of paper at some point where it just goes, you know, from here to the, here to the sun. Exactly. Okay, J- Jeff, I'd like to ask some personal development questions to help listeners get a better sense of who you are as a person with the, you've named a couple books already, but is there a book that's had a big impact on your life or your way of thinking that you'd like to share?
1: too many to list um, I uh, but if I if I said one um, I, so I um, I love it when uh, and this sounds maybe perverse in a way <laughs> I love it when I think one thing and I'm really hard at anything one thing and something comes into view that changes my thinking I actually so I debate people on this i I'm open to this debate so how far strong opinions while I think about something, but always open to change based on, based on new information. Um, And thinking fast and slow. uh, If you asked one book by Daniel Kahneman, Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those books that did that to me because, because I realized how often my own biases got in the way. Right. And, and so it, it took me down a rabbit hole of really exploring those biases. And I read every other book I could on, on, Bias and how humans think and everything else, and how often we make mistakes and we don't realize the mistakes. So, but that was probably the gateway drug book to to that exploration. Um, and, and so that it, um, it, it, so that one stands out as one of those one of those books that changed uh, changed a lot for me.
0: Here's a Peter Thiel question for you: What is one thing you believe to be true that most people disagree with you on? Apart from deflation,
1: so I don't know if it's—I I don't think it's—they um, would disagree on it if they if, if they explored it deep deep enough. But uh, but one, one thing that I don't think people are paying enough attention to is how fast AI is moving. Um, and so so, and, and on top of that, people people are kind of sit there and they say, okay, well, AI won't be smaller than all of humanity until this date without realizing that AI is advancing at a staggering pace in every single thing we do and if you actually break down AI artificial intelligence to all it is the human mind all of our knowledge base grows on information right and you could say human beings error correcting on that information right so we error correct and and so why we read books is we error correct and we get smarter Right? We, we read other people's knowledge, we error correct off of that, and we, we get smarter and smarter. And AI is doing that at a rate that is unbelievable. Um, and so if you just take that theme forward and what you do in any business or what you do in university is you go practice something over and over and over and over and over again until you reach uh, mastery. Right, And if you reach mastery, you get paid way more. Of that task than somebody else who didn't. Maybe, and it's, whether it's in sports, whether it's in piano, whether it's in whether it's in being a, a surgeon, that mastery is error correction from practicing something over and over and over again. And in all those little subdomains, computers or computers with the help of robotics and everything else are attaining that mastery. Of this it's this error correction. And it's, it's it's error correction at scale because they can see more data. So that's that's probably something that I don't I don't know if people explored it deeper if they would disagree, but uh, but it, I, very few people are exploring at that level.
0: Yeah, I I have kind of my own personal theory on AI, which is I I totally don't know if it's going to be true or not, but I feel like the adoption of AI and you're deep in this world, so correct me if you think I'm wrong is just a couple motives are really going to accelerate to people's adoption of it. Is One is profit. If I can use an AI tool that can help me profit and it's going to help me, you know, get ahead of my competitors, I'm going to adopt that. And then the second, it sounds strange, but parents wanting to make sure their kids don't get left behind because as you think about biology integrating with AI, you know, you could see your kid – get totally left behind by this breakaway society unless they integrate it into their life in some capacity. I mean, do you think those will be some of the primary drivers or am I outside thinking something wrong here?
1: No, you, you know, and on the second one I, is that you, you said I totally agree, game theory will, will create, um, we will my, meld mind and machine um, for sure um, and people will do it because it will have such an advantage um, and people who don't will look uh, will be at such a disadvantage. Um, so, so that on the second one, I agree with you. On the first one, I think people, when you say a business integrates AI, I think that's where that's where you're missing, or you might be missing what what happens. And a lot of businesses think about integrating AI, and they're buying AI services from a company who's aggregating the data. There is no AI without a data loop, right? And so, what Google, Amazon, everything else that do is drive the data loop. It's just, why it's a free product on Google to search is because they're monetizing you. you are building AI with your information on both sides of a of both sides of a of a problem, and that AI is spinning on itself. There's nobody sorting the 130 trillion websites to to see which one you see. That's all driven by AI, but it's driven by Capturing the data, so it, so most of the network effect companies that are driving real really into AI are at the intersection of the collection of the data, and the AI is on top of that. And and any most of the companies that say I'm an AI company, there's nothing really there.
0: Got it. So you you don't you want to be the company that has the data and the network effects. You don't want to tap into it. Exactly,
1: then... <laughs> exactly. Because, because then that company has all the data and the AI from your data, and they just take that business.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs>
1: that, that's why they become so powerful. Yeah. And and if you, if you think about how many people are using this right now without their knowledge that they're using it, how do you think Alexa works or Google or uh Uh, or or Siri or all of these are they're they're capturing all this data and they're learning at mass and now it's in speech recognition. And now you tie that into video uh, videos and you tie that the data collection and what's driving this is so profound. Now, now you don't need a call center because it's all doing it through uh, uh, through through computers that you think as a person, right? It's not quite there yet, but it's close.
0: It is. Yeah, that Google AI assistant is really like that's incredible. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that. There's a demo of it where it's uh, the AI assistant's calling, making an appointment for a haircut for, on behalf of you, essentially, and the person on the other end has no idea. That's not a real person. It has like a little um, affectation to the voice, and it's it, it it goes hmm. Let me think about that, and all these little things, and you're thinking, wow, it's it really is like the Turing test is almost being passed. And Matthew,
1: or... in, in Matthew, remember when that came out, that was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, if you knew where it was today and what this looks like, and it kind of, it's just not broadly distributed to society yet. To yet and people don't even know they're using it. Right. It's, it's everywhere.
0: <laughs> well, let's, let's end on a light note here, Jeff. What, what is your favorite comfort food?
1: Oh, uh... Peanut butter cookies.
0: Peanut butter cookies. Okay. Yeah, oh, good. The the Girl Scout version or just any will do. Yeah, yeah. homemade, homemade. Okay, yeah. good, good. Well, Jeff, I got to tell you, this book. There's there's not many books that I rave about or like t- tell my friends and family about. Like right as I'm reading it and sharing like what I'm learning, but I feel like just understanding, you know, all the things you detail in this book really a it give you, make you more empathetic about what's going on in society, realize the true root of the problem instead of the symptoms, but also give you a big advantage at how you position your business, investments, and other aspects of your life. So congratulations on writing such a good book. And to be honest, it's, it's kind of like esoteric knowledge you're bringing to, the, bringing to light. There's a, it's, there's a technology bent to it. There's an economics bent to it. There's a sociological bent to it. And... I am really excited to see something like this taking off because it could have just been something that people say, oh, you know, this is kind of wonky stuff. But you've written it in such a compelling way that it's very digestible and accessible. So I encourage everybody to pick up The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth on Amazon and anywhere else. And Jeff, is, how else can people connect with you besides buying the book?
1: Um, probably the best way, uh, is, well, either my personal website, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff at jeffreybooth.com, uh, or jeffreybooth.com is that personal website, um, or Twitter is probably the best.
0: Okay, great. Well, Jeff thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, one, one more thing, what's your Twitter handle, did you say it was?
1: At Jeff Booth.
0: Okay, at Jeff Booth. So follow Jeff on Twitter. Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show, writing the book. We really appreciate everything you're doing.